We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, there is no human originator of love. Did you hear what I said? Even if you saw the lady the very first time, there was something you saw. Men, amen. Men, amen. There was something you saw. There's something you heard. Some, some of you fell in love with her intellect first. Some of you were attracted to by the physical features. God help you, that's the only thing you saw. But every love on the earth is a response. There is no human progenitor of love. The only being that loved as a first. Love without any external stimulus or stimuli is God. You know why? God doesn't just love. God is love. God cannot be divorced from love. Do you understand? God cannot exist without an outside of love. God is love. Love is the essence of God. Are you following me? So for God so loved the world, not waiting for the world to love him back, that he gave. Does that make sense? So now that we have come into the love of God, we love God back, no longer waiting for him to give. Because he already gave. Am I making sense? But God's dealings with us are a factor of his love. So when Paul writes in Romans 8, he says, What shall separate us from the love of God? The love in question was not the love that you have for God. Yeah? Study the Greek text. Study the context of it. The semantics of it. What shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? I have loved you, he says, with an everlasting love. So God's love for you is always in focus. Isn't that beautiful? Now, if that can't tickle you, I don't know what else can. Because, man, what, what, what greater love? What greater love? For a righteous man, scarcely one would die for. For a good man, perhaps somebody might consider to die. Do you know what Paul was trying to say? Do you know how messed up you are that Christ died for you? I mean, for a righteous man, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone to die. That's what he was saying. For a good man, perhaps you might find somebody who might be willing to die. And the part, the sentence he didn't write, but he implied is, you, how much less you? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's what we are trying to bring out. Because, hey, righteous man, you're not inside. Talk to me now. Good man, you're not inside. The kind of man that somebody can die for. 
You're not inside. If for a righteous man, scarcely one would die. For a good man, perhaps one would die. How much less? You look at yourself. You know how many gallons of blood it took to save you. So if you are looking straight, like someone that said she was born again from her mother's womb, like the prophet in Lagos, said he was born again from his mother's womb. He was born, born again. He said, when, when did you get born again? I got born again from my mother's womb. I got born born again for those of us who were not born born again but for the cross but for the cross so no matter what kind of man you are if you cannot Feel something inside you in response to God's love for you. You are a boy. You are a fake man. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? A fake man. There's no man that can keep his ego above the love of the God that saved him. You're not a real man. You're a boy. I have no regard for such men. Because no matter how big in stature you are, when you come face to face with the person that saved you when you could not save yourself, All of a sudden, your manliness doesn't mean anything. Hello? That's why I tell sisters all the time, if you end up with a man who cannot express his love for God, you're in trouble. Because for a man to be a good husband, he has to first be a good wife. And being a wife comes with resultant emotions. Do you understand what I'm saying? For a man to be a good husband, he has to first be a good wife to Christ. If a man can't be a good wife, he can't be a good husband. And so there's something about the love of Christ, the love of God in Christ that makes all the difference. Sorry. That is all the difference. It doesn't just make the difference. It is the difference. Is anybody excited that God loves you? You know, I, I've been thinking a, a lot lately about some of the songs you sing, and lately I'm singing less. I'm focusing less about my love for God. I love Him more. But worship is about acknowledging His love for me. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. Because all, all my love is a response. It's, it's his love. That is amazing. He's jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the wind of his weight and mercy. All of a sudden I'm unaware of, of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. As I realize how beautiful you are. And how great your affections are to me. And, and, and oh how you, how you love us. How you love us. So back in the day, we'll sing, what, what manner of man is Jesus? Hallelujah. Remember that song? What manner of man is Jesus? Hallelujah. What manner of man is Jesus? Hallelujah. 
of love the Father has given unto us. Old school now. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. What manner of love? What manner? What manner? What manner of love? The Father has given unto us that we should be called. Thank God for the love of God. In that what we were yet sinners, Christ died. You didn't even know that you needed to be saved. You didn't know. And you had no hand in it. You were there stoning him. Shouting that you should crucify him only four days after you put your wrapper for him to come into the city. Did you hear what I said? Only four days. Only four days. Only four days. Palm fronds, wrapper, your George, your Hollandis, your what do you call those things? Your lace and your what do you call them? Yeah. I'm very old school now. Did I hear Japan? Jacquard. Oh, right. Okay. Damask, kente, wax. You put it all. And Jesus was coming and you were screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Four days later, your scouts changed to crucify him. They brought a notorious arm robber, rapist, murderer, whose name also meant son of God, Barnabas. Son of man, rather. Put Barnabas there, son of man. Put Jesus, son of man, capital S. These two guys, it wasn't coincidental that Barnabas' name meant son of man. He depicted everything about the sinful state of mankind at that point in time. He was the nastiest that a man could be. Put him there, son of man, small s. And they bring the son of righteousness, the Bible calls him. Capital S, son of man. Put him there. And the man asks, which of these two systems? (laughs) Which of these two cultures? Which of these two lifestyles? Which of these two systems? Cosmos, the Greek word. Which of these two significances? Which of these two symbols? Which of these two lifestyles? Which of these two realities? What do you want? This one that shows that shows everything about the depravity of man? Or this one that this one that shows everything about the light of God? And you know what all of us chose? Barnabas. Even an ungodly king could not understand why we chose Barnabas over Christ. And you hear Christians say, well, I was not there. Oh, you were. Fully represented. Fully. Now make it Jesus. Newsflash! Now you. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, now you. That's the stupidest, silliest question I've ever heard in Christianity. Now, make Jesus. Who, who did? Don't you the one on the other side tell them, now you? I said, tell them, now you. Are you afraid? Are you, what are you afraid of? Why do you let somebody's face intimidate you? It was you and I, now us together. We is. 
the other day, two of us, all, all the both of us. Join hands together and killed him. And we're killing him and he said, do not charge this to the account. We're, we're saying, like Nigerians say, koro, koro. we knew what we were saying. We knew. We knew what we were doing. We knew what we were doing. Jesus said, Father, forgive me. They did not know. He had not died yet and he was already interceding for you. He had not died. When he screamed, Tetelestai, in the Greek, it is finished. And that it is finished in English is not it is finished though. Yeah? Tetelestai in the Greek means that it is complete and perfect. Nothing remaining to be added. That's what that, that word in English we say it is finished. Three words. In the Greek is one word. Tetelestai. Complete, finished, perfect. Nothing else that can be added to the last milliliter. Nothing else could be added. No further price can be paid for your sin. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? The way Jesus bled until the last drop of blood required to pay for your justification was shed. Do you understand what I said? The last blood. He said, he told them, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. So nobody, he, it was when he finished and he said, Tetelestai, that's when he gave up his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. He, he didn't, he, he wasn't killed. He gave up the ghost. He stayed on that cross as long as was expedient to pay the price. Are you, are you, are you following me? So when he screamed, it is finished. But before he got to it is finished, before the work was even perfected, he already began to intercede. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, but we knew. Talk to me now. We knew. Saul stood there, policing as they were killing Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, right? Thereabout. He gathered, they gathered all their clothes. So as Barrister was, was singing, he had a jacket on. He got hot, he took the jacket off. Saul collected all the cloaks and jackets of people who were stoning Stephen. And Saul kept them at his feet and was observing the affairs. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as you're stoning Stephen, stoning, and then your stuff is going on, and you're sweating, you're like, I, I need to stone this guy properly. You come and give your clothes to brother Saul to keep for you. And Stephen is praying, and he says, I, Father, forgive them for... <laughs> In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is nothing more exciting. There's no other message. Talk to me now. 17 ways to prosper. 25 keys to receiving your breakthrough. 19 steps to living a victorious Christian life. 29 ways to find the right marriage partner. 56 keys to unlocking financial prosperity. Charlie, just read the word and believe what it says. 
If you have read 100 Christian books and you have never read your entire Bible once, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You read all the books and you, you know how you can start to feel like one Christian because of your, the books you have read. And you can quote Andrew the Woman can quote Jesse Duplantis and quote Lester Sumrall and quote Dude Bagre and you, and you not know the book of the law. You are still looking for what the, what the word of God says. When you are looking for 19 keys, it's because you don't know the word. I have come again. <laughs> you don't know the word. Because if, if, if his divine power has given us everything we need, if these things are revealed to us by his spirit, and it's in the word, every key you need, is in the word. And it is not hidden from you. The problem is all you need to do is believe. That's all. That's all. Pastors will live longer if church members believe the word. Some of our gray hair is not age. It's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Just believe the word, do what it says, come and share the testimony with us, encourage our ministry. There's some people that when you see their number on your phone, you're like, oh, they have come again. But we grew up into believing what Christ did. Just believe. You mean that's it? Believe? Yes. Believe. Uh, All I need to do is believe? Yes. Believe. Is it that simple? Yes. Believe. But what if I don't feel like it? You don't have... Who told you it was a feeling? Just believe. The Holy Spirit is living inside me. The moment you got born again, you the Holy Spirit came into you. I don't feel like it. Who told you it's a feeling? I've, since I became a Christian, I've never fallen under the anointing before. It's not a problem. Your spirituality is not measured by how many chairs you broke. Uh, you know, some of you have some of you have rec- track record. If you can't gather all the churches you have been in your Christian life so far, in this you're less than 40 years on earth, you have broken over 200 chairs. Because when you, you can start from here and just swoop the whole church and go, yes, she was under the anointing. I see. Now, I'm not saying the anointing doesn't do that. But that's not the hallmark of the anointing. And so if you haven't fallen under the anointing for your, all your Christian life, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. So you're like, I mean, I've never fallen under the anointing. I've been in the church for 50 years. I've, not, I've never fallen under the anointing. And there's one day a pastor was preaching, was praying for you. And then he now says, don't resist the Holy Ghost. Don't resist. You don't carry yourself and fell by yourself. He woke up and you had a headache. Talk to me now. If you understand what it cost God, to save you, you will mess about with your salvation. His outstretched arms calling you, come unto me, all ye that labor and I, have, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. 
It's a beautiful thing to be loved of God. Isn't it? Isn't it? Beautiful thing. Can we just put our hands together and give God praise in here tonight? So when something comes uh, to, to, to threaten your faith, remind it, I am a child of God. That addiction comes and wants to rear its head. Announce to it. Not in your thoughts. Listen, there's some battles are not won until your mouth opens. Some battles are not won until your mouth opens. You need to open your mouth and call it by name and tell it, listen, hey, 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 listen. I speak to my mind like that sometimes. Sometimes you are, you are as full of the Holy Ghost as you are. Your mind starts to run away on you. And I've learned to address, because I realize that I am me and my soul is also my soul. We are closing. We'll close on time. That's why David could announce to his soul. Say, listen, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. <laughs> David was talking to David's soul. Because you are a spirit. You have a soul that you're supposed to control and you live in a body. Your soul is the realm of your mind. Hello? So 2 Corinthians 10 says in verse 5, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it behoves me, it is my responsibility to arrest my mind and put it in order. I, I, am I making sense? So sometimes, hey, stop, stop that. Where, where's that coming from? I open my mouth and I speak to my mind. Because my mind does not have respect. That's why you have to transform and renew it. Hello? Your mind doesn't respect that you're born again. You have to teach your mind to be born again. Okay, some of you don't understand. Yeah? You have to teach train your minds the way you buy a dog. The difference between a dog that can go and fetch a newspaper and a dog that can eat soap <laughs> is training. It's training. It's training. So the same, the, the difference between an un, unregenerate mind and a transformed mind is training. Speak to your mind and inform me because listen, when you are reminded of that abortion, it's not from your spirit. It's from that silly place called your mind. And every time something pops up in your mind, it's an opportunity for you to address that with your current position in Christ. Are you following me? Every time that addiction comes and you see that person or you remember something and it's the spirit of God does not condemn. Convicts. And his conviction draws. Not pulls away. It's your mind. Lift up your hands and say, hi you too. <laughs> I've learned that it's at those times my life depends on how high my hands can lift. So when the enemy comes to try and make me feel like I'm not worthy, that's when I stretch my hands. The highest. You have to treat the... Some of you give the devil too much dignity. I said here a few weeks ago, you are praying one hour. You do Thanksgiving, two minutes. Pastor, you are not here. 
you do worship prayer three minutes periphery you know preliminary prayer and then you spend 30 minutes praying to the devil satan i tell you satan i inform you satan 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 have you thought about it before what business do you have as a christian praying to satan where do you see that in your bible Satan, take your hold. Satan, Satan, I've come here. And you spend 30 minutes addressing Satan. Then at the end, you now say, Father, I thank you. Thank you. Because at those points, you feel like you have prayed spiritual warfare. Talk to me, somebody. You haven't exerted your position in Christ. You forget that you are placed above him. Ephesians 2. Not just above him. He says far. So there's no, there's no way that your traffic and Satan's traffic should collide. You are far above him. So when he comes, you ch- listen, all I pray to Satan, listen, listen, Satan, I'm not careful to address you. Because the blood of Christ is against you. Satan knows his place. He only troubles those that don't know their place. He knows the place of the people he's troubling. Do you hear what I said? Before Satan comes to trouble you, sir, he knows your place. He's only counting on the fact that perhaps you might not know your place. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's hoping that somehow you didn't open the manual to check the specs of your position in Christ. But as for him, he knows. Because when the conference was being held to make man in God's image, he was there. So he knows the specs by which you were made. Is this helping anybody? He knows your makeup. He doesn't come. That's why the, the best way he can attack you is to make you doubt your identity. Once he sows a seed in you that makes you feel like you are not who you knew you were, he's done. The rest of the destruction, you do it by yourself. Jesus says, the prince of this world cometh, but he finds nothing in me. So let him come. Let him come. Satan knows who to try you. Are you listening to me? Some people he knows that he can't come near you. Father, as I sleep tonight, my house, no fly zone, any winch. (laughs) I've not prayed those prayers in many years. Because you, you come to a knowledge of your position in God, you just know. The devils know. Are you following me? The devils know. You know. Do you understand? That's who you are in God. That's who you are in Christ. Find your place, take it. The devil can only mess with you when you don't know who and whose you are. So whenever I sing that song, I add it. Take a look at me, I'm a wonder. It doesn't matter what you see now. Can't you see his glory? I know whose I am. Because it's whose I am that makes me who I am. Do you understand? It's whose you are that makes you who you are. If you didn't get anything we said tonight, let it leave no doubt in your mind that you are a child of God. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.